I'm Charlie Melcher, founder and director of the Future of Storytelling, and I'm delighted to welcome you back to the FOST podcast. One of the founding principles of the future of storytelling is the idea of cross-pollinization, that by bringing together people with significantly different backgrounds and skill sets, we encounter new ideas and perspectives that can transform our own work. Today, I'd like to introduce you to a creator who, though his area of expertise may be a far cry from your own, forms an instructive example of how to meet the challenges of COVID-era storytelling head-on. Helder Guimarez is a world champion magician whose unique blend of masterful storytelling and mind-bending magic has led to sellout shows around the world. A multi-talented artist, he often writes, directs, and choreographs his own productions. Yet despite his formidable talents, one might assume that the pandemic would present a near insurmountable challenge to Helder, as a magician who specializes in close-up card magic and sleight of hand. His work does not offer itself easily to virtual adaptation, but Helder's not one to back down from a challenge, and his latest show, The Present, is proof. Rather than trying to circumvent the issue of digital separation, the present makes it a fundamental part of the magic. And rather than trying to draw viewers into the virtual space of their computer screens, Helder uses his showmanship and some unique tricks to explode the present out of the confines of the computer and into the homes of each and every viewer. During a time when most live performances have been completely shut down, Helder's created a smash hit show that's been consistently sold out since it first opened back in May. I'm thrilled to welcome Helder Guimarez to the Future of Storytelling podcast. Helder Guimarez, it is such a pleasure to have you on the Future of Storytelling podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the invitation, Charlie. I've been a fan of yours since I first saw you perform at the TED conference years and years ago and was so honored to have you come and perform at the Future of Storytelling. And one of the things that I've always been amazed by is that your your prowess as a magician is only one part of the sort of tools of the of the arsenal that you employ. You you tell amazing stories. It's really about taking your audience on an on a journey first why is it that you uh, got into magic and and where did that start for you so i started with magic because my my father did magic as a hobby that's how how, how it all began and when i when i was a little kid my kindergarten had this christmas party the kindergarten knew my father and knew that he did magic. So he kind of challenged him, do you want to do something for elders class, you know, like for something very simple for them. And he said, do you want to do something? And I said, yes. And so that was all started like a, a, a little thing I was going to do. I, I had this box, very simple trick. It was empty. I closed the box. I said the magic words. I opened the box and it was filled with candies. And I start throwing mm-hmm. the candies to to my <laughs> my kindergarten mates, and they loved me. And so I was the hero of the kindergarten for for a few months. And and what for you makes magic really work? What is it that's unique or special about it that that connects to you? 
many people ask me, why do you do magic? And it seems like a simple question to answer. And actually, it's probably one of the hardest one because I can't give a rational answer why I do magic. I can't see myself without being attached to magic in a certain way. So when people ask me why I do magic, my answer, my honest answer is because I cannot do magic. You know, like I, I have this gut feeling that I need to share things with magic. Now, magic is a very unexplored artistic area that there, there is so much to be found inside of what, what already exists, but new ways of exploring it especially in my opinion, making it personal. You know, like I think that's where I really love seeing another magician is when I see that his work is personal because there is so many standards of magic or classics of magic that so many magicians do and they are beautiful on their own and I can be entertained for five, 10 minutes, but I would not want to sit one hour and see a performer doing things that other people can do. I want to see that uniqueness, that that personal side. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about why you started to incorporate stories into your performance. It, it comes down from the theater background and from loving to perform. There are so many different aspects of a magic performance that need to be taken into account. One of them is the deception side of what I do. You know, you need to be fooled in order to have a feeling that you saw something impossible. So in order to take that deception and create an illusion, you need to attach something to it. And it might be a simple pattern that is very funny, that is very elegant, that puts you on the zone to watch that. It can be as simple as that. But that's where I started to ask questions to myself, you know, like as, as I was growing and I was creating more and more things, I, I was like, what can be done in these moments that take this to a, a, a new level? And of course, I start reading a lot, researching a lot of what other people have been doing before uh, uh, me uh, with those areas as well. So now let me ask you about the uh, relationship with the audience. Right? I mean, you're used to performing on a stage. You can hear people. Sometimes you're maybe pulling somebody up from the audience. Like, How do you think about that audience when you're designing your performances? I, f I feel that the audience is an active part of the show. So like, I, I can't conceive a live performance without thinking of it a little bit like jazz, you know, like, so I know that there is a set of things I'm going to have to hit, you know, like along the way, but there are a couple of moments where I need to be open to what the audience is going to give me because that makes two things. One makes the show different every time. And that is way more interesting, even for me, you know, like I love when I'm surprising my own shows by the audience. The, the other side of that, that same coin is that, the audience understands that, that those moments are never going to happen again. And that makes the, the interaction and the moment they are witnessing much more special too, I, I believe. Um, yes. So I always leave it 
very open on those moments when I have an audience interaction, to be open to the randomness that most of the times it's according to a certain set of rules, you know, like people are not necessarily crazy to the point that they don't know how to behave. You know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, but sometimes you have moments that are completely uh, random, interesting. Um, even for me, I, I, I laugh. So for example, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you a, a brief story about uh, Invisible Tango. I was, I was doing the show and I think I'm, at this point I'd, I probably had done the show like 40 times. So this was the show you did your previous show at the Geffen, is that right? Yes, yes. The show I did last year at the Geffen, physically at the Geffen Playhouse. And so I had probably done 40 shows and there was a moment, uh, not when I get into too much detail, but there was a blindfold that I was going to use for something. I would always give the blindfold to check to someone in the audience and there is nothing tricky or special with a blindfold. People can actually check it and make sure that they don't see anything. 40 show in, like one person that I give, can, can you examine, make sure that no, you can see anything through? The person goes like, yeah, I can see a little bit of light because she's literally looking directly at the lights in the theater with the blind. So of course she's going to see light, but she's not going to see anything. But she says, oh yeah, I can see a little bit. And I said, really? Can you really see something? And she said like, yeah, a little, a little bit of light. And they're like, okay, I take the blindfold, I throw it away. But that moment... You can't engineer it, you know, like right. it's either it's either honest <laughs> and, and everyone feels that honesty and it's alive and it's amazing. Or if you engineer it, it's just going to look fake and it's not going to be the same for for the audience that sees it, you know. So I love that. Just the the opportunity to have something that's spontaneous that is co-created with the with the audience. I mean, she became part of the act, right? She and clearly was not scripted. She was you were making it up together. Like it's magic that you can respond to that in real time. But there's a sense of wonder that comes from something that happens in real time that's not pre-recorded, pre-planned, pre-scripted. And, and then, of course, there's also just the feedback, right? I mean, you, you hear the laughter or you hear the, you know, you know the, the gasp or like that must be incredibly important part of you know, when you hit your timing and, and you're learning all the time too, right? Like you're getting feedback every show. Absolutely. You, I always like to say this, like when I create a magic show, let's suppose I'm creating it in my, in my, in my uh, studio and I'm practicing it and nobody's seeing, there is no magic. No, the magic only exists when I have an audience in front of me and they respond to the illusions I'm creating. Otherwise, there is no magic, you know? And all of that you've experienced for so many years in a live setting, right? In a real theater in front of real human beings. And then we run into COVID and we're all in quarantine. And what do you do? You create a show that's custom crafted just for people to experience through Zoom, right? Through their, from their, the safety of their home. So, so tell us about the present. How did it come about? And, and, and just give, give it, give the quick description so people understand what it is. The present is a, a, a show that has the elements I always use in my performance, which is storytelling and magic. But due to the situation that we are in, everyone can watch from their own home in Zoom. So when you buy the ticket to see the show, um, you are asked to give an address 
uh, where you're going to be seeing the show. Because prior to the show, uh, and it depends where you live, but I would say like more or less a week before the show or five days before the show, you receive a box in your house that you're told not to open. And you should not open. If you are listening to this and you're going to watch the show at some point in the future, do not open that box till the time of the show. But in the day of the show, you have the link, you show your unopened box, that's your ticket to, to go into the show, and you watch this show. And the show, magic is going to happen in my own hands as a magician, but you are making decisions for that magic to happen in my own hands. A big part of the experience is that you have objects that you're going to follow the show with. Most people don't expect how far these things can go in terms of magic. And I'm, I'm really proud about, about these, these things I've, I've, I've created. But also because there is a sense of isolation at this moment. And all of a sudden you are in this Zoom call with many other people and you see them doing the things to themselves and the magic happening on other people's houses. You know, and I don't want to get in specifics, but all of that creates a sense of community in that show, which was our biggest uh, goal with this experience is, yes, we are isolated, but there is a sense of community when you see this show. And that's very important. Well, I should say that we we bought out one of your shows, uh, Future Storytelling did, um, last week. And we had 25 people come to it. First of all, one of the... Well, it was delightful to see how many people wanted to come. We, we had more people want to come than we had spots. And then when people showed up, it wasn't just that person. It was that person with their family. So, uh, you know, we had 25 spots, but there were probably 100 people watching your performance at one, uh, all at the same time. And I want to just start by saying that right away felt so much more intimate. You know, everyone in, in gallery view, we could see everybody's living room or home, wherever they were, and we saw their loved ones gathered around with them. And their pets. And their pets. And, <laughs> um, and, and sometimes their friends came over for the show too, you know. And, and so immediately it felt more like all of us in the den together, you know, all of us gathered together. But you tell a story that's based in the idea of quarantine, um, which uh, an experience from your own life. So it's a personal story. And you have, you do magic that we get to, as you say, participate in, but then you have us do magic. And the idea that somehow your skills as a magician can transcend that screen and come into our own homes and, you know, create a sense of awe and wonder in our, in our hands or on our own tables was, was one, you know, spectacular. Two, it was so unexpected to be isolated and yet feel like you were there as if literally, you know, you, you were having us pick a card or, you know, the same way you would do it if you were literally like two feet away from each other. What I really felt was like the screen disappeared. And all of us were now in this experience of awe and wonder together. Ultimately, I think that's what so many of us are trying or hoping for as, as creators who are now limited to a new kind of canvas, you know, this, this computer screen, this Zoom you know, software, since we can't do live events, we can't go to the theater, we can't go to you know, museums or, or to the future storytelling conference. Like we, all of these things that we would normally do to have community and to have these moments of awe and wonder together, 
are taken away from us, and yet you've managed to find a way to transcend the limitations of this of this funnel, this this straw that we're all working through, and make us feel that way. So, how'd you do it? <laughs> What's the secret? <laughs> uh, well, well, first of all, thank you so much for that. And the big point of the show, or the big magic moment of the show is when you as an audience feel that you're not in front of a screen and that you are with the other people. And that's what we wanted ultimately to get. How did we do it? It's a really good question. Uh, I, I would love to tell you that we have a spectacular formula that works for everyone. I don't, th <laughs> I don't think that's the case, but I do believe that one of the breakthrough ideas is that there is a physical um, involvement with the audience uh, that they are not just in front of the screen. They are doing something. Now, in, in my case and, and with my work and my solution, the idea was to send people this box that already creates some mystery because they can't open it before the performance. Then they open, then there is the objects that are related to the story I'm telling. You know, you, you unfold every single chapter, let's say, of the box with some, some magical moment that either happens in, uh, on the screen or in their hands. But there is something active about their experience that I think um, makes it so much different than Netflix, you know. Here, you know it's not because you are making decisions in your own hands as things are evolving. And you see other people doing those same decisions having different outcomes, you know, like, so the, 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 that side of being active, I think it's a big part. First of all, I love that in a magic show, in a regular magic show, you know, but having that happen miles away, you know, like, I mean, I'm in LA, you are in New York, you know, having that happen in New York while I'm having in LA, I think there is something magical about just that idea and that notion. Well, seeing the faces of those families uh, so both adults and children be so incredibly happy, so delighted, have uh, a sense of like they had transcended or escaped their isolation for a little period of time. They also, by the way, had something that was very bonding. I spoke to many of them afterwards who who've said that like ever since the show, they've been discussing it with their kids. It's still very much alive for them as they think about it. That is really priceless and 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 beautiful. And that moment when you open the box, it's kind of like the curtain rises, you know, and the set is revealed. There is such intentionality about the design of it to help put you in the right mood and to help to start to communicate the ideas that that you're that the show is about. So my next question for you is. Do you have any specific advice for other people or organizations of how they might think about transcending the distance that's happening through Zoom, through the, the, the screen? I, I, I think that the best way of approaching any problem is not to look at it as a problem and look at it as a, a possibility, a new door that opens. You know, like, And I think once you have that mindset changed, you're going to see things that probably before you'd be complaining about, you know, like you're going to be seeing ah, this I, now everyone can't be unmuted, you know, like, no, it's like, that's how it is. Now, what can we do with that? You know, it's a different mindset and that changes completely 
how you're going to be seeing possibilities because otherwise I don't think you can actually see those possibilities. The other, the other thing I would say, we talked about this briefly uh, before, but it's the idea that you shouldn't be thinking about adapting something or watering down something that live would be better and now it's just okay. No, 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 no. At that point, don't do it. You know, like save, we're going to be back into theaters. We're going to be back into live events and we all going to be wanting to be on those events because we've been deprived of those. So save those ideas for those moments and think <laughs> about in this moment, what makes sense for you to say as an artist and what makes sense to communicate through this platform and can be uh, zoom but it doesn't have to be zoom you know like zoom is just what pe people have been using but there are so many other things that you can do at this point i think the question becomes what you want to say in this moment under the restrictions we are but don't look at them as as a barrier they think of them as like possibilities is there anything else that you think magic has to teach us uh, is there something that, that as a magician, you can share that would help uh, storytellers? I will tell you a couple of things that I think magic, magic has, which is understanding that one, you'll never understand in, uh, everything about the world. You know, like if you know that, if you have that feeling that you'll never understand everything, but if you can enjoy that moment of awe, and translate that moment of awe for any other areas in your life, you're going to have a much more nicer life and much more positive life. And if there is something I think magic constantly reminds us is that, one, we need to be humble because we are, we, there are always things we'll never understand. And we should always have a little bit of mystery in our lives to keep it interesting. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think a lot of great art does that. It, it gives you that sense of belonging to something bigger and unexplicable and mysterious. Even though it, in a way it, it makes you feel very small, it also enables you to feel universal, to, to feel somehow part of the greater uh, mystery of the world or the universe. And we need more magicians, clearly. <laughs> um, and, no, but, but and, you're right. I think we need more wonder. And that wonder can be, can be, can be done through magic, but I think it can definitely be explored by other, other areas and other artistic areas. And as long as, as artists keep that wonder alive uh, as, as a society, I think we'll be okay. I so agree, and I thank you so much, Helter. This has been a really beautiful conversation and very honored to have you be part of the Future of Storytelling family. So thank you. Well, thank you so much, and thanks so much for, for the invitation. I, I don't even remember what year it was, like 2015 or something like that. I had a great time. You know, like I always tell that that was one of the events that I went to that it opened so many other doors in terms of how I see the world. You know, I think we need more events like that in the world because I think it's, it's really an important thing for, for us to have uh, keep challenging what we do by seeing what other people are challenging their own areas. You know, it's so, so refreshing. I, 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 I really love it. Again, thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you again soon and to be at your next performance. Can't wait to see what you come up with next. Virtually or physical, we'll see. <laughs> 
I hope that you found this conversation with Helder as enlightening as I did. If you'd like to learn more about Helder and his work, or purchase tickets to the present's grand finale on October 17th, you can do so by visiting the link in this episode's description. Thank you to our talented production partner, Charts and Leisure, and a special thanks to you, our listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, give us a review, and share it with a friend. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for another deep dive into the world of storytelling. Until then, stay safe, be strong, and story on. Thank you.